0: Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we're all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. The scripture in Malachi chapter 3. Is it Malachi or Malachi? Depends on the school you went to, right? Yeah. Are you well, everybody? Yes, sir. Chapter 3 and verse 6 For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. Or sons of Jacob. If God changed, we would be consumed. But is so faithful to what he has said that even when we fall short, he keeps true to his love for us. Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? Then God asks the question Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. I would understand if God said, Will a man steal from God? A robbery is another dimension. Say, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In what way, rivers? Have you lost your voice? In what way, rivers? In tithes and offering. I will skip verse 9 because I don't want to speak it. Verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. We're talking about no room today. One of the most controversial subjects to talk about in the church today is the subject on tithing. Because money in itself is a God. We talked about this in various spaces. So much so that Jesus would say, you cannot serve God and mammon. He never said you can't serve God and the devil. But he said you cannot serve God and mammon. To the believer who is in Christ, Satan is not your threat. We have weapons of war that are supposed to take care of the enemy that is Satan. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, the scripture says, even though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and bringing down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When it comes to the enemy, we have been empowered. Ephesians 6 and verse 10, he says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then he goes on and says to us, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy in the evil day." He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, But against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, forces of wickedness in the high places. We have weapons when it comes to warfare. We can rebuke Satan. But you can't rebuke money. Money has a way of getting your heart. First of all, because you feel that you have worked to earn it. And anything that you are attached to becomes difficult to release. So we never really have issues with conversations around what we would call the Old Testament when it comes to holiness. We will never have issues with the Old Testament when it comes to the patterns of worship. I hope you recognize that there was no worship team in the New Testament. That everything we do up over here draws its patterns from the Old Testament. And we never have an issue with that. We want to have the musicians. We want to have the Levites. We want to have the people who will play. Jesus did not have a choir. He only had a treasurer. The New Testament ministry just had a treasurer who was actually a thief. But the ministry didn't go down. We borrow what we want. But when it comes to the matters of money, we draw the line. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 9, Jesus says to us that we need to make friends with mammon. And he says the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of the light. Because we do not understand that money is not supposed to be possessed. And money is not supposed to possess you. Every principle around giving is to help your heart from entering into idolatry. Every principle around giving is to help your heart from entering into idolatry. When Israel came out of Egypt, and it's a picture of the church, we are the called out, the ecclesia, they get out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 12 on the Passover night, they cross the Red Sea, symbolic of the baptism into much water, they get into the wilderness. Very symbolic of discipleship and the growing and learning of the word as they are fed manna. They come to the mountain, Mount Sinai, 50 days down the line, where we draw the feast of harvest, Pentecost. They come there and God gives them the law. But then in the meetings of God with man, the first thing he asked for in Exodus 25 and verse 1, he says, Take me an offering. They were in the glory. They were right in the glory. And God says, take me an offering. Why? Because the only thing that would take the hearts of these people away from him was the gold they got in Egypt. And so consistently, God will require of us to break the hold of the things that we have. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22... It's a principle that is very familiar to us. It says, as long as the earth remains, seed time harvest, cold and heat, day and night shall not cease. Principles cannot be broken and they will not be suspended. So as long as the earth remains, there's going to be sowing and reaping. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, he says, sorry, verse 15, he says, and you Philippians know, That in the beginning of the gospel, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, apart from you only. Seed time harvest. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. Seed time harvest. Galatians 6 and verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap. But the principle underlying all those principles is that, God never wants what he has given to us to have us. And it's very easy for you to slip in there. In Psalm 44 and verse 3, he says, They did not get the land by their own strength. It's very easy for you to feel that it is your strategy, your networks, your skills, your abilities, and all of those are very good. You must have them. But your advantage, and I started by talking about that last week, your advantage is the grace of God on your life. Because there will be people who are better skilled, better networked, people who are better positioned. But then God will pick you with his favor and open for you doors. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, he says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? This thing says, he that is holy, he that is true. He that has the key of David. He says, even though you have little strength. You have not given up on my name. You haven't given up on my word. He says, so behold, I set before you an open door. That God will open doors for you that you do not have the strength for. But when he does that, the test is whether you will begin to feel that it is by your strength that you got into the place you got to. So he says, it was not by their sword. It was not by their skill. It was not by their ability that they got the land, but because you, oh God, favored them. Everything that you have right now is a function of God's favor on your life. Everything, every accomplishment that you have is a function of God's favor. When we were coming in, I was telling my team that even this house, it takes people nearly 25 years. For God to give them, and sometimes He doesn't, a ministry like this. It's the favor of God. And we can never get to the place where we begin to assume that our hand gave us what we have. Because there are people who are working harder, there are people who are praying longer, there are people who are always in the mountain, in the cave, in the bush. There are people who are living more right than you would. If there is any measurement of right living. There are people who deny themselves everything. Yet God has not given them what he has given to you. And he will still find a way to bless you. And he knows you lie a lot, but he will still bless you. Ah, Are these the guys who were here last Sunday? Let me come down here. You'll be lying. You'll be doing stuff. But because God is committed to you, he will still bless you anyway. Because in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. It's not because of what we did. He just loved us. And so most of what you have today is a function of the favor of God. In Romans chapter 9 verse 16, he says, it is not of him that runs, or of him that wills. But it is of God who shows mercy. The race is not to the swift. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11. It's not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. Riches are not to the men of understanding. No favor, uh, No bread to the men of wisdom. But time and chance happens to everybody. Each and every day God gives you time. He gives you chances. Each and every day. In Psalm 68 and verse 19, he says, blessed be God who daily loads us with benefits. Every single day you wake up, there are benefits. Every single day that you wake up, there are benefits that are loaded on you. Every single day. That's why Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow because sufficient for the day are the troubles thereof. There is the benefit of today that God has given to you. You are not where you are because you are smarter. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Ooh. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he says, and because of that grace, I have labored more than everybody else. Then he says, and not me, but the grace. It is that grace that has labored. And cost me to do more than everybody else, even though I am one born outside of time. When we talk about products of grace, sometimes it's just cliche, but the truth is, you were absolutely a product of grace. Yeah. Announcement number one, you don't deserve where you are right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Is that Joan? No? OK trying to figure out where Giovanni is. That's not her. Alright, she's not around. She came and spoke at our church when I was not there, so Doc, Listen, announcement number one, you're not responsible for where you are. Yes, you don't even deserve it. Mm. I tell you, you don't deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you become ungrateful for where you are right now, it shows that you have Every ounce of unfaithfulness in you because you don't deserve where you are right now. Psalm 33 and verse 16, the scripture says, No king is saved by the multitude of his army. It is not your education that has put you where it has, and education is important. It is. Networking is important. All of those things are important, but that's not what has put you where you are. There are people with greater skills greater ability, greater functionality, greater grace, but they are not where you are today. So we have to begin from that particular point that before we even talk about the whole principle from Scripture that we recognize that we have not made ourselves. Psalm 100 and verse 3, the Scripture says, Know you not that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, not we ourselves. It is he that has made us. Not we ourselves. Oh man, you know I work hard. I'm self-made. Nobody helped me to get where I got to. Somebody did. Somebody did. He says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he that gives you the power to get wealth. So that he may establish his covenant which he agreed with with the father's. In Isaiah 48 and verse 17, he says, I am the Lord who teaches you to profit. Somebody is responsible for where you are. Yes, God have mercy in this place. Yes, Somebody is responsible. He wakes you up every morning. Causes you to have a sound mind. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. But he has given us a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. That when you go to your office, you've not lost your memory, you've not lost your imagination, your creativity, you are able to analyze, you're able to assess, you are able to come up with conclusions. He has given you a sound mind. How dare you say you got there by yourself? If your memory was wiped for one day, just your memory, And you cannot even trace your house and you can't recognize people around you. And you can't go back into your office and you can't remember what you're supposed to do. If your memory was wiped out, and I'm not trying to threaten you. I'm just telling you how much God does for you. If you lost your memory for a day, you will be absolutely ineffective. But he holds your mind. He holds it. He holds it. He says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Then he talks about the things that you need to think about. The things that are good, the things that are lovely, the things of a good report. Then he goes on further to say that God gives you the peace that passes all understanding. The only thing you do in your office is what is on your JD. Everything else has been done by God. He keeps you on the road, stops every accident, blesses your bread and your water, ensures that you are not sick. Exodus 23 and verse 25, He says, and you shall serve the Lord and he will bless your bread and your water. And he will take sickness from among you and he will keep diseases far from you. You know that if you just had a sore throat, you will not function. Just that. Just a sore throat. You will not function. But he keeps diseases. It's not because we are so careful. It's because we are protected. It is arrogant for you to get to where you are and begin to think that God wants to take something from you. I'm going to be done in a minute. It is arrogant for you to think God wants to take something from you. And to say, actually, you know, God just receives people the way they are. As Pastor Stan wants to take away from us. The scripture cannot be broken. Yes, sir. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. Becca told me I teach for two hours. So I'm trying to find my way with, I have like 10 minutes to go. I teach for two hours. I try to sing for one hour. Then teach for two hours. (laughs) Leviticus 27 verse 30. It says all the tithe of the land. Belongs. To God. All of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. The principle of tithing. Is the principle of covenant partnership. The principle of tithing is a principle of covenant partnership. Where you recognize that you could not have gotten to where you are without the hand of God. Without the favor of God. Without God's guidance. Without his instruction. You recognize that? Look at what he says in Psalm 32 and verse 8. Psalm 32 and verse 8. And I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. This is God with you in your office every day. That's God with you in your business. I will instruct you. You will receive ideas. You will receive concepts. You will be having visions and revelations. You'll be having thoughts. You'll be sitting down having coffee. And then something just drops. He says, I will guide you. I will instruct you with my eye. You are not responsible for where you are right now. You are totally a product of God's hand. Isaiah 42 verse 16. Normally, when people keep quiet, I use more scriptures. When they shout, I preach. When they keep quiet, I use more scriptures. Isaiah 42 verse 16. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. There are things you are doing right now you never were trained in. You're quiet on me. You never were trained in those things. But God taught you. God taught you. He trained you. He introduced you to people who taught you the things you are doing right now. What is a pharmacist doing with strategy? No, on a serious note, that is the biggest scam in life. I mean, what is a pharmacist doing with strategy? And he makes a lot of money. And he's very good at what he's doing. Because God says... I will lead the blind by a way that they have not known. Jesus said when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of the things that I've taught you and he will take the things that are mine and he will bring them to you. The Holy Ghost is a business partner. The Holy Ghost sits with you in the office Every single day Telling you what to say Telling you what to do Telling you don't answer that Don't reply that Don't get into that attitude Don't get into that fight The Holy Ghost keeps on talking to you So that you don't do something stupid You know that you don't need the devil to bring you down You are a devil by yourself Good morning this Sunday morning No you know some of you you know Some of you you know You know that if you are left to yourself Satan will take notes. (laughs) He has no idea what the thief cometh to, but to still kill and destroy means if he were to meet you, you were self-destructive. But the Holy Ghost guides you, gives you peace, says "Don't, don't respond, don't respond to that one. Ignore that attitude. Don't get into that fight so that he can keep you in the place that God has sent you to. Glory be to God. So when we come into the space of tithing, we're in the place of acknowledging that it is God that has blessed us with what we have. It is as pure as that. In Genesis 14, I don't have time to go into every space. In Genesis 14, Abraham had returned from the victory Of the five kings. He had 318 trained servants in his house. He had never fought any war. But he trained people in his house. 318 of them. His servants. And then they go to war. With five kings. And they defeat the kings. Four kings actually. These four kings had defeated five kings. But Abraham only had 318 men. And defeated the four kings. How can 318 servants not warriors, defeat four kings if it is not the grace of God. Do you realize that there are battles you win that you cannot naturally win? Ooh, sure. Oh, yeah. There are results that you have. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are results that you see that you cannot explain. Blind man said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. All I know is I used to be blind. <laughs> I can't explain to you. The man who had been by the pool for 38 years says, The one who healed me told me, Take up your mat and walk. There are things you cannot explain. Come on. Because it was all God. John chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. He was one of the Pharisees. He says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God because nobody can do the things that you do except God is with him. There are things you cannot do except God is with you. So when God has been involved to that level, all he asks for is to be part of that covenant as a test of faithfulness. Acknowledgement of his involvement. And he says, you know what? Keep the 90. I'll take 10. I mean, government doesn't take 10. (laughs) Government doesn't take 10. And they won't do nothing. But God says, just bring the 10. Try me with it. I won't even keep it. I won't even keep it. I just want to see the state of your heart whether you will try me with this thing, and if you try me, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you will have no room for. Abraham, in Genesis 14, when he had come back, taken back his nephew Lot and all the property that they lost, and the king said to him, take whatever you have, He said, I'll not take anything from you lest you say you have made Abraham rich. We will only take what the young men have eaten. Then he meets a man called Melchizedek. And he takes the tenth of what he has. There was no law. Moses was not born. There was no scripture. He takes a tenth. It came by revelation. He takes a tenth. He was a covenant man. Now let's talk about Abraham a little bit. This man lived in the place where many gods were worshipped. In Ur of the Chaldeans. In Genesis 11, his father had tried to move and go to a place called Haran. Then the father died. Stayed there for a while. Then God called him out in Genesis 12 and said, get out of your country, out of your people, out of your kindred to a place I will show you. Pastor Stan, there was no physical manifestation of God. Yes, sir. There was no preacher. There was no scripture. There were many gods. How did Abraham identify the voice of God? He didn't come from a family that was religious and churchy. He was a spiritual man. He was so spiritual that in the midst of all of those gods, he could pick up this God and tell his family, we are leaving. 75 years old, he's saying, we are leaving. You try and tell your wife at 35 that you're leaving. Pastor Doc will be in your house the whole night just try and say we are leaving we are relocating to a place God will show us <laughs> I told our guys today you need to marry somebody who will keep you in salvation you can't both of you be liars you can't be an Ananias and Sapphira one of you needs to be righteous <laughs> one person should pull the other one to righteousness right right <laughs> Abraham takes the tenth by revelation gives to Melchizedek Melchizedek institutes the first communion gives him bread and the wine, wine and then says blessed be Abraham of God most high The possessor of the heavens and the earth. What Melchizedek released was the blessing. A spiritual force. The blessing. Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And adds no sorrow. The blessing has the power, the ability, the capacity to make you. The blessing has the power to make you. Realize that when God created man in the Garden of Eden, all he did was to bless him. Didn't do too much. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful. God will never put a requirement on you where he has not put the ability for the requirement to be met. When he says be fruitful, it's because he knows the blessing has the power to make you fruitful. The blessing breaks barrenness. And every limitation. To curse is to put an impediment on somebody's path. Glory be to God. God wants to bring us into the space of no room. No room. Genesis 28. Let me try and finish this if I will. Maybe next Sunday I will go on with it. I've warned you in advance. Genesis 28, Jacob is running away from his brother Esau. And he gets to a place, he's tired, it's evening. He lays his head on a stone. Then he has a dream. In the dream he sees a ladder ascending to heaven and angels descending and ascending. Then he says, surely this is the house of God and I did not know it. I hope you know that this is God's house. And then the Lord speaks to him and says, This place where you have laid your head, I will give it to you as a possession. And Jacob says, If indeed you will take me to the place I'm going and bring me back to this land and give it to me as you have promised, I will take a tenth and give it to you. (laughs) When God takes you to your office and brings you back, the least you can do is a tenth. When he leads you for 30 days, first K, the least you can do is the tenth. When he fights all your battles, the least you can do is a tenth. So the old covenant adapted from what the fathers had done. Abraham and Jacob paid the tithe. In Malachi 3, where we read, God says, it's because I don't change that I've not destroyed you. Let us say, why would you want to destroy us? He said, will a man rob God? He said, how have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. Most of the people who tithe do not give honorable offerings. The moment they have given their tithe, they feel they are done with their responsibility. The tithe does not belong to you. The tithe is like you going back to the bank and paying them your installment for the month. So you cannot say you blessed the bank. You owe the bank. (laughs) When you're paying somebody what you owe him, you do not deserve commendation. But the offering is where you demonstrate your love. And that's where you receive your increase from. So God says, first of all, you don't tithe. And those of you who tithe, don't do offerings. Look at how casually we will come into church and come in with things we cannot give our children for their pocket money and give it as an offering. Right here, right now, after this service, you will spend on yourself within this ranch something that if you give to God, you will call it a seed. (laughs) Because in our mentality, anything beyond a thousand is a seed. So let's talk about the tithe first, and then I go, then... (laughs) Let's talk about the tithe. Somebody will say, but man of God, that was in the Old Testament. We are not supposed to do that. I started by asking you, was there a choir in the New Testament? Was there a tabernacle like this in the New Testament? Why is it that when it comes to money, we become deep? See, the manifestation of stinginess is depth. (laughs) That's when we will argue about the Greek words and the Hebrew words and the context and all of that. But everything else is okay. Do you realize that he's not supposed to visit your house? It's not in the pastoral J.D. In Acts chapter 6, when there was a dispute about the food being distributed to the Greek widows, and they came and the word came to the apostles, the apostles said, find men who are full of faith and wisdom and the spirit of God so that they may serve the tables. It is not right for us to leave prayer and the word to serve tables. So we twist this thing when it suits us. I like how you're quiet. We twist it. (laughs) Our job is prayer and the word. Then there should be deacons who come to your house, dedicate your children, cast out your devils in the night. Matthew 23:23, 23, 23. we will go to Hebrews chapter seven, verse seven. Matthew 23 verse 23 23, 23. It is one of those scriptures that people use. 23: 23. What 23. to use scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites for you pay tithe. You pay tithe. You pay tithe. Hypocrites, Pharisees, pay tithe. I want that to sink. Hypocrites, Pharisees, pay tithe. You are a spiritual covenant, tongue-talking, spirit-filled, grace dispensation believer. And you robe the Lord. You pay tithe of mint and anise and coming, and have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice, mercy, and faith. Look at what he says. This you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So what he's saying is the problem with the Pharisees is that they paid tithe but they forgot justice, mercy, and faith. He did not say stop paying the tithe. He said you need to have justice, mercy, and faith. Like Isaiah 58 The Lord's first He doesn't say don't first He just says look On top of you staying away from food Treat your neighbor well Take care of the poor But he doesn't say you should not abstain from food Hebrews chapter 7 And verse 5 Oh man What happens to time at Rivers How you all doing? You're fine? The guys at the back over there, you still cool with me? At the back over there, on that other side. Thank you for the two hands raised. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who receive priesthood have a what? A commandment to receive what? You know your silence. You're trying to frustrate me. I'm here the whole month. I'm here. Ah, the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. And that is from their brethren. Though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Look at verse 6. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham. Talking about Melchizedek. And blessed him who had the promises. So this is what happens, Pastor Stan. When you bring your tithe, the blessing is released to activate your promises. You can be a promised carrier and live under closed heaven. That was the story of Jacob. Jacob was blessed from the womb. Had a prophecy over his life from the womb. But he was struggling. He was running all over the place. He went to Laban's place. He was conned 10 times until he came to God and he said, bless me. So you can have every prophecy, every promise, every scripture and still struggle. Because it is the blessing that unlocks the promise. Verse 7. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Verse 8. Here. Somebody shout here. I don't like the way you're talking. Shout it here. Say, here at rivers, men receive tithes. tithes. So, let me help those of you who say, you know, when I want a tithe, I'll just tithe to God straight. (laughs) You guys have your own systems, man. That I'll just tithe to God straight. Here, men receive tithes. Here. And then, there... He receives them. So we receive it here. He receives them there. Are you still okay? Here, men receive tithes. Here, men receive tithes. There, it is Christ who receives it. So what you do here reflects on what's happening up there. Because the men who are here... None of them has taken this honor upon himself. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 5. Man, it's the silence that is making me find other scriptures. You know, if they were shouting, I would have been running up and down, I would have finished. I'll be saying, Tell your neighbor, there will be no room. <laughs> so also, Christ did not glorify himself. Take it back to verse 3. Verse 3, sorry. Because of this, he's required as of the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices of sins. Verse 4 No man takes this honor upon himself. But he who is called by God just as Aaron is. No one takes this honor. You can't just wake up and say, I'm a pastor. You can't. No one takes this honor on themselves. It is men that have been raised by God that stand in that place and receive the tithes here from their brethren as Christ receives it up there. Now, let me show you this then I go. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. Actually, now I love this quietness, especially where couples are sitting together. Because your spouse knows whether this message is Rema for you or not. There are some of you right now, your spouse does not know how to shout a loud amen. Because there will be trouble going home. (laughs) For I say to you, That unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, what will happen to you? You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. But remember what he said to us. That the Pharisees pay tithe. The Pharisees in their righteousness pay tithe. Then he says unless in the dispensation of grace, your righteousness goes beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees, you you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at what it says in verse 21. Verse 21. You have heard, it was said of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. 22. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift to the altar. Go your way, be reconciled to your brother. And then come offer your gift. Between grace and the law. Which one has higher standards? You're not talking to me. Which one has higher standards? Because Jesus said. In the dispensation of grace. If you look at a woman. And say where? (laughs) You are gone. (laughs) You don't need to touch her. You don't need to touch her. The moment that thing has hit your heart like that, you're gone. That's grace. (laughs) He says, if you're angry with your brother, you have committed murder. You don't need to kill him. If you're angry with him without a cause, you have committed murder. Now, then he says to us, our righteousness needs to supersede the righteousness of the Pharisees. The righteousness of the Pharisees made them pay 10%. So what do you think the righteousness of grace requires of you? (laughs) What do you think? Because Jesus says, if somebody tells you, go with me for a mile, take him too. He says, if they slap one side, give them the other. So if it is required of you 10% in the dispensation of grace, what are you supposed to do? Now, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, before he died, went out to pray, found his disciples sleeping. And he came to them and he said, could you not watch with me for one hour? One hour... Was a requirement for the unregenerated people. They had not been saved. So he says at least one hour. 10% is the threshold for pharisaic righteousness. The one who knows who God is. Will not do 10. They will go into 20, 25, 30%. 40, 50. (laughs) Because they understand that God is able to multiply what is left and take care of them exceedingly, abundantly, far above what they ask or think. Allow me to stop now. I will be back. (laughs) When we try God with us now, Ladies and gentlemen, two things. God says, bring all the tithe. We need to talk about what the tithe does. You see all these guys who come and minister here? Give me Nehemiah 13, 10, and then I go. Nehemiah 13 and verse 10 and verse 11. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given to them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. When there is no tithe, people go back to work. They quit ministry. So one of the strategies of the enemy to make people quit ministry is to make the believers not pay their tithe. Because how will these man receive word for you when they are also pursuing how to pay their bills? Verse 11. So I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them and set them in their place. Verse 12. Then all Judah brought the what? Please tell your neighbor, there's no mandamanu in this house. Yeah, please. Yeah. All Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and oil to the storehouse. Verse 13. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse. Shelemiah, the priest, Zadok, the scribe, and of the Levites, Pediah, And next to them was Hanan, the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah. For they were considered faithful and their task was to distribute to the brethren. When we hold back the tithe, there will be no food in the house. And the people who were supposed to be taken care of from the house will leave. And the quality of ministry will be compromised. And the people will begin complaining. And saying we are not being ministered too well. Because the people who are supposed to minister. Will be out in the field trying to fend for themselves. So they will have no time to pray. No time to study the word. No time for rehearsals. They will show up on a Sunday and look for the simplest list and do it. And then we will say you know they started in the spirit they are in the flesh. But you are not giving. quiet on me here when you don't pay your tithe you are actually trying to suck your pastor <laughs> you're trying to suck your pastor when you don't pay tithe and all the people who should be taken care of in the house so we cannot say we love you and then rob them at the same time matthew 10:10 i told you it's your silence Martin, stand take all our things. We're going. Matthew 10.10. 10. Matthew 10.10. 10. This is the last one. It's the last one. It's the last one. Matthew 10.10. 10. No bag for your journey. No two tunics. No sandals. No stuffs. Why? Because our worker is worthy of his food. 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 Don't spiritualize it. Your tithe is somebody's food. Don't try to make it deep. Your tithe is somebody's food. When you hold it back, you are trying to starve somebody. Okay, two things. One, when you bring your tithe, it should be all the tithe. All means, if I have a job in the bank, I have a side hustle and a side hustle... I need to pay tithe from all my sources of income. I cannot say I've paid tithe from my salary and then I keep the rest. Even when people send me money, I still need to pay tithe from that. All. All. Secondly, the whole tithe. The whole tithe. You cannot edit it and bring your 7% and say, I will top up next month. You cannot edit that. No, you bring the whole tithe. If it is not the whole tithe, it is not the tithe. Glory be to God. And then it is not an amount, it's a percentage. So you cannot be faithful when your tithe is 5,000 and then the day God gives you a deal of 5 million, you struggle with the 500k. Now you start saying, you know, I'm taking all this money to church. How much money did he give you? Why some of you need to fight this battle? I will tell you what Pastor Doc will not tell you. He believes Jesus finished everything on the cross. But I'll tell you, the party didn't finish. Some of you, this tithe thing is your ancestors pursuing you. They had generational stinginess. (laughs) And they are afraid that you will break the yoke and get into prosperity. You know, money does not disappear. Money cannot disappear. Money is numbers. Either you've spent it, you've lost it, you've given it, you've invested it. Money does not disappear. So when you earn money and then you say you don't know where your money went to do you have a side chick? Do you drink? Is it that your lifestyle is crazy? I mean, your money cannot disappear unless somebody stole it. I don't know where my money goes. It goes somewhere and you know it. And if you trace your money, you will see where your heart is. If you want to know where your heart is, trace where your money goes. And you will realize all these things you sing here. I surrender all unto you. (laughs) Glory be to God. Please raise your hand over here. I want to pray. I pray that this entire house. Will begin to practice this principle. Not. Not by coercion. But by. Acknowledgement of the grace of God. And for the love of God. I pray that God will give you the grace to be faithful. I pray that God will give you the grace to be faithful with your tithe. That you will partner with God when it comes to your finances. And the Lord will pour out a blessing over you that you shall have no room for. I pray that your flock will increase. I pray that your businesses will open up. I pray that your children shall be well. I pray that you shall be in health, strength and prosperity. I pray that you shall be in peace. I pray that you shall not spend a night in hospital. I pray that your money will not go into medication. I pray that everything that concerns you will be protected and perfected by God. In the name of Jesus. I pray that you are blessed going out and blessed coming in, blessed in the field and blessed in the city. I pray that no evil shall befall you. I pray that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, we condemn it now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.